This is the Living Vertizano podcast, brought to you by The Church at Riverstone, a fellowship of the Church of the Nazarene in Madera, California. Our episode today focuses on Matthew 25, 14 through 30, where Jesus shares the parable of the bags of gold. Together, we will be discussing faithful stewardship as we await the return of Christ. Hi, everybody. I'm Nick. I'm Natasha. I'm Brittany. I'm Derek. And we are the Living Vertizontal Podcast. Back with you again this week to continue our conversations in Matthew. Um, as a quick reminder, uh, last week we focused on Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, where Jesus shared a parable uh, that continued his conversation uh, about the day of judgment with his disciples. And uh, in that, we discussed our responsibility to be prepared as we journey towards that time, uh, that that day of judgment. Um, and this week, we are going to continue on in Matthew 25. Specifically, we're going to be looking at verses uh, 14 through 30. And in this passage, uh, Jesus shares another parable uh, to communicate to his disciples about the kingdom of heaven as well. Uh, specifically, it seems like Jesus is honing in on what it might look like for them to be preparing for that day. And so I believe today we have Derek reading for us. So Derek, would you mind uh, reading Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30? Yes. Yeah, so verse 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of my of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers, so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And, thrown, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right. Thank you for reading that for us today, Derek. Um, 
just to, before we jump into this as a quick uh, maybe recap, um, as I alluded to in the introduction statements uh, before you read, um, from a context conversation, you know, last week we talked about the parable of the ten virgins, and that was uh, a parable where Jesus was was really um, highlighting the need for his followers to be prepared. Just plain and simple, be prepared, uh, be being prepared, and not necessarily be prepared when finally the day arrives, but always be ready because you don't know when the day is going to be going to arrive. So just this call to preparedness. Um, and I think it would be appropriate for us to then bring that forward into our conversation today and recognize that today's parable uh, is probably a little bit more of a conversation on like the concrete understanding or the, the practical implications of what it would look like to be living a life that is prepared uh, for, for that day that's to come. So just maybe a, a little more feet on the ground understanding of maybe what Jesus is expecting of his disciples then and of us today as we jump into this parable. Um, so with that, uh, where are we going to go? What are we seeing? Well, the first thing that sticks out to me is is the value of the talents um, or the bags of gold. And so one talent, depending, I guess, where you're, you know, we found varying answers, but um, it was the equivalent of 20 years of a daily wage for a worker. So it's, it's a significant amount. Substantial. Um, it's, I think of it like life altering. Like if somebody were to give me 20 years worth of salary, like that's like a life changing amount. Mm -hmm. And so somebody entrusting you with that amount of money that belongs to them, it, it would seem that Jesus is trying to drive home the point that what the master is giving is of great value. Mm -hmm. And he's expecting his servants to be good stewards over what he's giving them. And so if I, I apply that practically to us today, what God is entrusting us with is of a great value, and he is expecting us to be good stewards of what he's given us. Mm -hmm. So in this conversation of preparation and what it like concretely looks like for us today, I think you hit on maybe the first of many things that we can pull out, which is it looks like us being stewards of all that we have, um, whether it's um, monetary uh, possession, whether it's ability, whether it's time, like really just whatever it is, talent, um, we are called to be stewards of those resources. Yeah, I think if we recognize too, uh, so James one seventeen is kind of our favorite uh, verse to talk about the good and perfect things. But if we recognize that every good and perfect things comes from God and he is our master, then pretty much every, we can look at our lives and we can say, okay, what are the good and perfect things in my life? And these are the things I've been called to steward in the waiting as I prepare for, for his return and for his coming. So when I, I think about that and the things that the abilities or the gifts or the, the, whatever that God has given me, um, verse 15, and I talked about it on Sunday, but they, um, my version says, um, that dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And one of the commentaries that I read talked about, um, you don't see them comparing what they have. 
the five the 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 one who has five bags is not looking at the one with one and saying, "Oh, I'm I'm so much better. I have five. Um, you don't see that comparison. And I think that um, I think that's an interesting um, thing to look at through this is that what you have is what God has called you to do. So not you know just because somebody else you know plays the piano so well and you cannot play Mary had a little lamb doesn't make them better. It just God has given them something to mm. do. That is something that God has gifted them to. Um, and yeah, I think that that has helped me. That was that was the big thing that um, spoke to me through the entire passage. And really, if you look at it, like, well, this is specifically talking about the bags of gold. Like, someone may be more gifted in one area than another person, but in the in those three people, like, the proportion is probably going to be different across a, va- a variety of areas. So, where one is you know, given more in a certain area, the one who was only given one may be given more in a different area or a different gifting or talent that God has given them. It's consistent with Paul's letter to Corinth when he's talking about the body parts and um, how they all work together and to be, to be a whole and to accomplish the task. So I have a question. Um, can we assume that all three servants knew what they were doing? Can we assume that they knew that they were supposed to do to multiply what they were given? So I think that's an interesting question. And I only say that because as you were saying a moment ago, Brittany, what you were about verse 15, it was like this light bulb went on in my head of how did they know what to do? I had the same question. And as soon as I asked it, like in, in my mind, I, I felt led and I would say, I, I think it was Jesus reminding me of some things in scripture. And I felt led to look back at Genesis one and at the outset of creation, God's command to Adam, to humanity is to be fruitful and multiply to to take basically to go from where you are and increase like that was the command. That was the expectation at creation before the fall. So before sin enters the world, before fallenness comes on the scene, the expectation is increase. And so I, I mean, I wonder if like that, that expectation exists here and and though it's not communicated, I mean, that's an expectation that exists from the dawn of creation that when you receive wherever you are at, when you've been given something, however much it is, the expectation is increase. And so, I, I mean, I don't think we can, I, I can't say, maybe some other biblical scholar who really, really understands things could, but um, I don't know that I could say they for sure knew what the expectation was with this. But it seems as though either there was an unwritten expectation that they understood or something innately within them said, I like I've been given this. I know that I'm going to go and and increase with it. Like it's not, I'm not going to just sit on it. So that you talking about that made me think about the the passage that we just talked about and that preparation. Mm -hmm. They had to have spent time with him Mm -hmm. to, to know that expectation. 
Um, and I think that's very applicable today in order to know what, what Jesus has, you know, he's given you these natural talents. He's given you these opportunities to know what he wants you to do with him. You have to spend time with him. I feel like with this conversation, it reminds me kind of reminds me, um, because the theme is the same of a conversation we had around our table on Sunday morning where one of the, the people at the table brought up just, um, the different, the two different ways that the three different servants responded to the situation, right? Two of them went and they worked and like doubled what was given to them. One of them went and buried it. And when the conversation comes up of why he did what he did, like he says, well, I did it because I know who you are. Like I, I, I see you as, um, let me see, let me turn to it. Um, I knew that you are a hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. So even though I would tend to agree, it seems like they should, I, I mean, a servant would typically have spent time with a master. Um, so I think that that is perfectly sound. There is this perception difference though, that exists between the first two servants and the third servant that alters the way they behave. So the first two servants, it doesn't actually say how they view the, the master, but it would seem as though they probably have a more positive understanding of the master because they're not acting out of fear when they work. However, the third servant, like you can tell he is, he is driven by fear. He, he is afraid of what might happen if he were to lose this, these talents that are this talent that he has been given. And so instead of run the risk of losing it by a, a poor investment or, or like anything, he just buries it. And when I think about that, like the conversation that was had around our table is like one of the questions that we ask every Sunday and every Thursday night when we gather together is Jesus's question to Peter, who do you say that I am? And we talk about how important that question is for us to answer regularly, because the truth is who we understand God to be dictates how we behave in the world. And we see that come out in this parable very clearly. The third servant, who he understands the master to be, dictates how he behaves. And the, the weird thing is, like, he's afraid of what the master might do if he did something wrong. And so he buries it. And the very thing he was afraid of is actually what he ends up experiencing because he refused to walk in, I don't know, faithfulness with what he had been handed. I feel like he was afraid to walk in perfect love because if perfect love casts out all fear. It really boils down to like the whole conversation we've had throughout Matthew. It's a heart issue. Like the first two servants seem to have their heart focused on serving the master. And 
the third servant has allowed his fear to dictate the fear within his heart or his heart not being focused on loving the master perfectly. And that's allowed him to, as you said, do the very thing that he thought was going to be okay, and it obviously wasn't okay. Well, he's thinking self, self-preservingly. Mm-hmm. You know, he's thinking, what's going to happen to me? And when I think about the first two servants, mm-hmm. their relationship, they had they to know and to know what he expected and to follow through it makes me think that they had more of a relationship with it which is what Jesus has called us to whereas the third servant that doesn't sound like a very good relationship if he if he knows he's a hard man and he was afraid there's a there's a breakdown in that relationship mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't sound like it's been much of a relationship. Yeah. It's, at least in his mind, one based on on fear or like this overarching like rule, which it doesn't really resemble who Jesus is. Well, and as we talk about this as a parable and as a story, I think it's really easy then for us to start to think about our Christian walk with God and how much or how many of Christians, I would say, are predominantly motivated by fear and driven by fear. And we talk about the f- like fearing God, right? But we mean this in a respect sort of way, but it really should be a love for God mm-hmm. that causes us to act obediently in accordance with what he would will for us. But so often we're fearful of the consequences of any action our our lack of obedience and yeah. so because of that we'll we'll operate on this list of do's and do nots instead of operating in this relationship and that the very thing that we fear is going to happen is going to happen because Jesus is about the heart and he's about the relationship and so we we have to we have to cultivate that relationship and we have to know who Jesus is mm-hmm. because if we knew who Jesus was, we would know how much he desires that relationship with us. Also, I have some notes in my Bible right here next to this parable, and we had just been talking about the creation story, and the example was used about Eve. So somewhere in my previous studies or or listening to sermons, um, we talked about how Eve had an improper understanding of who God was. And this is what resulted in sin. She doubted God's good character. And that's what allowed the serpent to step in and tempt her. Drive that wedge. Yeah. And to, to begin to sever the relationship. And so again, coming back to that question, who do you say I am? It really is so important and so key to building a correct relationship with God. And so, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe this is an opportunity for us kind of a little bit impromptu to have this conversation, maybe press pause for a moment uh, on continuing through the parable and, and we'll get back to it. But practically, what does that look like? Like how, how do we begin to develop a, a proper understanding for who God is? Like, I, I know I brought up the statement of, we regularly practice each week a couple of times, multiple times 
allowing Jesus to ask the question, who do you say that I am? How do we know what we're identifying Jesus as is who he is? Like practically speaking, what does this look like? So a fun trick that we've used is uh, every day of the month has, we can assign a number to it. So one, we have letters one through 26 in the alphabet. And so then we can start over to get us through the end of the month. So go letters one, two, three, and so on after you hit 26 in the month. So logistics, that's how that works out. But then each, each day of the month co- corresponds with a particular, particular letter. So the first day of the month would be the letter A. And so then you can try to come up, and some letters this gets really tricky for, right? So you might have to improvise or jump ahead or back a letter and do do a letter twice. But we can try to come up with a descriptor of God. So not something he's necessarily done, but something that describes his character, who he is in essence, just by his very nature, who he is. And then if you're just starting out with this, this could be really difficult, right? But you could use scripture then and try to find that word. Can I find that word in scripture anywhere to confirm that this, in fact, is a characteristic of God? And really, you could even do a quick Google search. And this becomes a time of of prayer, really, and praise as you, you know, you think of an A word and then you're like, hmm, I wonder if that A word is descriptive of God. And so then you do a quick Google search and you type in the A word that you've come up with and then ask, you know, scriptures with this word in it and see what you find and see what it turns up. And maybe, maybe that one doesn't work. So you try another or, you know, and in that way, this becomes an opportunity for you to continue to grow and learn who God is in a really practical way practical way each morning as a part of your devotions or in the evening or whatever hour or five minutes or whatever your time is that you set aside to spend with, with him. So as an example, today is the 19th of the month, which is the letter S I took a moment and looked it up really fast. Right. Um, so what might somebody with, with that armed with that information, what might this look like for somebody to, work through this practice? So I think the first word that came immediately to my mind is savior. So then, and you know, this could be a difficult challenge at first, I'm sure, especially for a a new Christian. And so you might come up with, with other words. I I don't want to try to guess, I guess at words right now, because I'm not going to, but so you could take the word savior and then you could look up scriptures that have to do with savior. And you could see, is there anywhere in there where there seems to be a scripture that is consistent with Savior? Would you mind? Is that what you mean? Would you mind? You mean okay, do this? Yeah. Would you mind like <laughs> doing, whether you're looking it up or, or just simply answering Jesus's question. So Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? Your, your word that you immediately came to was Savior. So what would it look like for you to talk to Jesus about this idea? So I might say something like uh, imagining and picturing Jesus here with me because he is. Um, I might say something like, Jesus, you are my savior. And I don't even think I know or understand the full weight of what that means because I don't even realize all that you saved me from. But Jesus, I know that you have saved me from my sin. You've saved me from my selfish decisions. 
And I'm so thankful that you were willing to pay the very, very expensive price to save me and to set me free. It's good. That's good. I, I think I just, I, I got the sense that it would be important for us recognizing that we as a church think that this is a very important thing for us to do a very important exercise for us to practice on a weekly basis, on a daily basis where we recognize who Jesus is because we recognize that who we understand Jesus to be influences how we believe he would act, which then influences how we act in the world. And so having a true perception and understanding of who Jesus is, is so vital to who we are as Christians. I mean, the word Christian itself literally is little Christ. And so that by extension says that we're just going to act like what we understand him to act like. Um, and so I just thought it was very appropriate to just take a moment from this parable. And I don't even know that we necessarily stepped away from it because it's actually what this parable is talking about. Um, and the point that we were just making with it. And so I think the parable gave us the ability to have this aside where we could help you guys that are listening to, to understand what this might look like to practice better understanding who Jesus is and understand just how important a right understanding of who Jesus is, is for us as Christians, because it's the difference between taking the talents that he has given us and increasing or taking the talent that he has given us and burying it in the, in the dirt. It's interesting that you say that because as I was thinking about some of the different types of talents and we, we mentioned a few examples of it, but one of the things that came to me was knowledge of him mm. or love for him. And what do I do with the knowledge that, I've gained from spending time in relationship with him. Do I share that? Do I hoard that to myself? Um, do I, you know, how, how do I respond with that? And then the same with love, like as I grow in my love for God, as he continues to reveal more of himself to me, which then helps me to love him better and more, what do I do with this growing love that I have for him, And what do I do with the process that I went through to get there? Am I sharing that? Am I being a faithful steward of these things? Or have I buried it? Have I kept it private? Have I somehow, I don't know, assumed that this relationship with Jesus is kind of my own thing and it's to be lived out personally and privately and it's not really anyone else's, hmm. you know, it, it doesn't belong to them. So it's mine and I'll keep it. And in a way, it almost feels like we have a tendency to privatize our relationship with Jesus, which is kind of like burying it in the dirt when I think about it this way. Hmm. And it's funny that you say that, Natasha, because um, I was studying this passage out before we, uh, we met on Sunday morning. And actually, you sent Nick a text message because Jesus was, you know, we believe that his word is alive and that it speaks to us and that through it that he reminds us and convicts us and all those things are are, are a part of who we are who who he is as 
as as you know our advocate and so um I had this, uh, you know, two times, the first two servants, it talks about um, how they were faithful with a little, and so he he gave them much, much responsibility. And so um, Jesus immediately brought to my attention a ministry that we have that we've talked about here on the podcast about Peanuts Closet and about a lady that came and um, came for a need for a foster child, and we talked for probably 25, 30 minutes and she shared some things going on with a foster child and the whole time i did not think about stopping what we were doing the 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 thing that will pass away providing a need to be the hands and feet of jesus you know he gave us this ministry and um you know in all honesty there's been moments where i've neglected what god gave me the talents that he gave me i just kind of buried in the dirt. And so I had to take the opportunity to apologize to God, but I also sent the woman a a message and told her, you know, I'm sorry. And she actually responded back. And so like, like, thank you, Jesus, for two things. Thank you for bringing it to my attention, but also thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of right that wrong and like set my, my mind on the little that you've given me so that I can be faithful in the little um, not just for me. I, I don't want to keep it just for me. Like I want to share what he's given and the opportunities, like not to miss out on the opportunities. Had he not given each of us a story, like I find great joy in telling the stories of what God's done. Like Brittany and I talked the uh, Sunday morning, we were out on a walk and just reminded of like what God does. Like it's so exciting to tell the stories. It never gets old to tell the stories. And so even when we read a passage that we may have read a hundred times, it's always new. There's always something new. And so the talents might look different every time that we are burying in the sand, but he's a great reminder. He is, you know, if if I'm going to say who Jesus is, he's a great revealer or reminder of maybe the things I've forgotten or um, buried in the sand. I think one thing that uh, stuck out to me with this parable, I know we've we've kind of been going down one road for for a bit, and I don't know that this may not necessarily lead anywhere. But as I was spending time with this particular parable and and just asking, all right, Jesus, what are you what are you trying to say to me, or what might you be saying to me? I I was really um, drawn to this like the 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 master's response to the servants who were faithful with the talents that they were given and i think i had always read this and i don't know why i always read it this way but i had always read this parable that like the one who got 5 came back and showed his master that he had 10 and the master was excited and said, okay, you get to keep the 10 talents like, and, and go on. And then the next one came back and said, I have four now. And he goes, well, great. You get to keep the four, but that's not actually what the master says. Like the master says that, uh, it's the same words for both of the servants. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things whether it's five talents or two talents, he still identifies it as you've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. 
doesn't say many more talents, doesn't say anything about that conversation anymore. It's just, I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And so I think for me, as I read this, I, I was just a, a shift took place in my mind where I'd always previously read this parable as one which almost borders on like, like prosperity type understanding where it's like, well, as long as you're faithful with a few things, he's going to give you more things to continue to be faithful with. And that's not what the master is saying. The master is saying you, you've been faithful. And so come and share in my happiness. Like that's the reward. The reward is not getting an increase. The reward is getting, is having the opportunity to share in the master's happiness. And when I think about that and I, and I think about like this final day, this day of judgment where I might be standing before Jesus and, and you know, I I'm called to account on the talents that he has given me. Like, what would it be like for my understanding of eternity to be less about getting to inherit heaven and not having to deal with hell? I think more the camp that the third servant was in. And instead, I was more focused on just this reality of getting to just be in the presence of Jesus and share in his happiness. Like, I don't even know that I can fathom that. And yet that is what the invitation is. I mean, yes, we get eternity with him, but it's, it's like eternity with him. Like that's, that's the, the, that's the prize. If there is a prize, it's not that we get eternity out of hell. It's that we get eternity with Jesus. Like Jesus is the prize and sharing in his happiness. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not necessarily sure that this would go anywhere, but it was the thing that I think spoke to me and maybe, maybe it will go somewhere, but it goes back to where we were and talking about this idea of the differentiation between the servants. The first two, it seems very clear that they were motivated out of love, love for their master. They got the talents and they immediately went and invested them because they loved the master and wanted to give more to the master. The other one was afraid of the master. And so he just hid it. And so I guess maybe this particular parable this time around, as I studied it, as I spent time with it, Jesus was inviting me more and more to grow in my love for him, my focus on him and watch the increase happen with him. Uh, I think we're, we're able to share in the happiness because if, if we view it like the kingdom, we're helping to build the kingdom. 100%. Where the, the lazy, wicked servant was in the kingdom but not willing to do what it took to build the kingdom. Mm. And so it's like riding the coattail of the master um, instead of being on the front line and like uh, not to say not to like try to like bring it down but i mean like you know i don't want to get there and be like man i just squeaked in like i want to know that i helped build the kingdom not because i want to gain anything from it kind of like you were saying nick but 
I want to share in the master's happiness that his kingdom is full, that I know that my time wasn't wasted, that he gave me something. And as soon as he gave it to me, like I was trying to put it to work to bring back more. Um, to fill up the kingdom to even fill more. Up the, to fill up the kingdom, right. Yeah. And so mm, that's good. I, it really comes back to, to the stewardship topic, like yeah. being a good steward, like God has entrusted us with the good news and he's entrusted us to go and take that into the world. Like really, I feel like this is like pointing to the end of Matthew, like to mm. go, like this is Jesus, like getting ready to say, like, go and make disciples. Like this is, this he's is teeing up. <laughs> it's essentially what it feels like. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm getting ready to tell you you're getting ready to experience it. I'm just, I'm trying to help you get there before, but you know, this is really the, the, this is what the preparation looks like because the kingdom's not in the distant future. The kingdom's here and now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, join in with the master. Take what I've given you. Take this time that you've spent with me and don't waste it. Yeah, I, and I think, I think this idea of investing well, our, especially when we talk about our time, I think time is probably the most precious thing for most, most people, at least maybe in the United States, I feel like I can, I can speak to because time is money. So that takes care of that. And we have so, and you can't get time back, right, you can get money so, back, but you can't get time back. We, we have such a, yeah, we have such a limited amount of it. And so we're going to invest our time, our lives somewhere. We're going to give them to someone or to something. And I think it's important for us to remember to be the faithful stewards and to invest well. Be sure to follow the Living Vertizano podcast to stay current on all our new releases. To learn more about The Church at Riverstone, visit us at thechurchatriverstone.org.